Welcome to the Splat Zones. We are a monthly video cast slash podcast where we bring you the best Nintendo related topics. I am your host, Nice1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. Alright, and guys, it is February 2016. This marks the 20th anniversary of the Pokemon franchise, and for me, there is nothing better to talk about. It is one of the few video game franchises that is transcendent of itself, expanding to anime, manga, digital pets, a TCG game, Happy Meals, films, retail stores, a real-life Pokemon gym, and later this year it will come to conquer the FGC and the mobile market. So for this episode, we're going to talk all about Pokemon and its 20th anniversary, along with sharing some of our own Pokemon moments. Mario After Party, I know that this is a topic you want to get into Hell yeah, it's one of the most beloved franchises of all time. And, you know, personally, I mean, I grew up with Pokemon, so um, it's always great to talk about something that you can kind of reminisce about to your childhood. But I am surprised that uh, it's still, you know, just as popular today as it was when it first came out, if not more so. And uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, man, it's an ever-expanding franchise. Um, it doesn't get any bigger than this. It's really the only Nintendo franchise that rivals Mario at all. But guys, we have some great news topics to talk about. Oh, and by the way, stay tuned to the end of the episode because we are going to give you uh, the details of who won our last contest and we're going to go ahead and do another contest for a Pokemon prize pack. So before, let's go ahead and get into it. The Nintendo News Report. And our first story is there are rumors that Smash Brothers will be coming to the NX as a launch title. Um, this story comes from a market analyst who, you know, has actually broken some major Nintendo rumors before. And he says that Smash is coming to the NX as a launch title. Um, normally we don't talk about rumors on this show, but this is something I felt that we really had to speak on. Um, well, the rumor for that though, uh, also is that it might just be a complete edition of the version that has come out for the Wii U where you wouldn't have to buy all the DLC characters. You would have Bayonetta and Cloud and Ryu and all those characters on the game already. So it's... It might not be a new game. It might just be the uh, the complete version of all the DLC that was released for the Wii U. Yeah, similar to like a Game of the Year edition. Um, still, I'm of the mind that if this is like, if that's the case, I can kind of buy that. But at the same time, this is something that I just feel that Sakurai doesn't really want to get into. Sakurai is the guy who, as much as he loves the Smash franchise, he doesn't really always seem to love coming back to it. Um, you know that I did an essay a couple months ago where I discussed like why I don't think Sakurai will make another Smash game. Right. Um, and one of the key points being Iwata. And Iwata is pretty much the reason that Sakurai kind of did anything for Nintendo. To, for him not to be there, I find it hard to believe that Nintendo could even convince him to come back. Especially for a remake title. That doesn't seem like Sakurai's forte. Um, 
And for him to get into another, if this is a new game, I just don't see him pouring his heart and soul into the series so quickly. Usually he has a gap between, you know, each Smash title. He'll be gone for years or he'll develop something in the middle. He doesn't usually just go straight into a new Smash game. So I, this is something we had to talk about. It, there is a level of interest. I mean, I don't know about you, but if it does come out on the NX, I am going to feel slightly burned at repurchasing this game. Um, especially for a Game of the Year edition if it's a remake. Uh, any thoughts on that, bro? Um, well, if, if it is a completed edition of everything that's come out, I mean, I think it's better that they release it on the NX than to not release it at all because it would allow the fighting game community con to continue playing that the same game just on an updated system. So that's true. But does that do, does getting a Smash game at launch does that negate getting a Smash game in the console's life? Because we've never had two Smash games on a console. Right, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen. I I think that you might see a new Smash game on the NX in a few years, but I mean, it's, it's a lot of speculation. I think it would be better to release it than to not have it at all, personally. I agree. All right, so that's our first story. Moving on to story number two. Uh, EVO 2016, they announced their lineup. And in the lineup this year, there was an interesting addition. A game that hasn't even been released yet, and that game is Pokemon Tournament. Um, this is a very quick adoption of a new game. A game that's really not out yet. Uh, there's no scene for it. There's no meta for it. There's, there's literally nothing outside of the game itself. I mean, how do you... There, there is some time. There's like a four-month window between EVO and the game's release. But that is a quick adoption of a new franchise. Uh, a lot of anime fighters, um, they're feeling burned by this because, you know, games like Blaze Blue and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, anime clone, anime clone, are not going to be playable at EVO this year. Neither is Street Fighter 4. Um, it's really just Street Fighter 5 and Pokemon Tournament. A lot of people are saying that it took the spot of established games. How do you feel on that? Um, you know... It's interesting because when I was looking at the, uh, the the comment boards, it was really Smash Melee that was getting most of the heat. A lot of people um, were saying that Melee doesn't deserve to be there because it's such an old game and there's all they shouldn't have two Smash games at Evo. And Pokken Tournament really didn't get a lot of criticism as far as w what I saw. I know it got some, but... Um, I just think it's amazing that Nintendo has three games at Evo, three fighting games, when you consider that that is a third of the lineup, um, just to think that Nintendo would have three fighting games at Evo, that's pretty incredible. Well, yeah, so, when you think about it, Capcom, you know, the, Evo was centered around Street Fighter initially. When, when Evo as a concept began, it was, settled, it, was deter it was made as a tournament to settle the Street Fighter beef. Who's the best Street Fighter in the world? Um, to see that Capcom has only two fighting games, uh, that being Marvel and uh, Street Fighter V, it is really insane to see that Nintendo, the game known for child-friendly games, 
has the most fighters out of fighting right. games. Right, Nintendo's... They're not known for fighting games. That's not what you think of when you think of Nintendo. And they have more fighting games at EVO than anybody else. And, um, you know, Street Fighter V uh, was not released when the EVO lineup was announced. But it does have Street Fighter IV to kind of... It has a, a history of games behind it that people can say, okay, I kind of know what Street Fighter V is going to be like a little bit because, you know, Street Fighter Four just came out, you know, a few years before it. Pocket Tournament has no, there's no precedence. There's no history. There's no games that you could say, okay, there was a game before it that is going to be similar. This For them to announce Pocket Tournament, I was really surprised. And I think it's awesome, but I mean, it's like, it's crazy that they, that they announced that. Yeah, I agree, man. It just, it's just, it's mind boggling. Um, I know that sometimes that the money involved, uh, the sponsorships that, that Evo gets is a lot of it. A lot of the prize pool comes from, you know, the sponsors who make the games most of the, most of the time, the developers, um, Nintendo's foot in the bill. That's what a lot of people are saying right now. Um, and you know what? If that's true, good move Nintendo. Because Nintendo spent so long ducking and dodging the FGC, especially the Smash community, that they're finally taking the reins into their own hands. And they're finally saying, we messed up for so many years. We've been messing up since Melee. We're finally starting to get it right with Smash 4. We have another competent fighter coming out. Let's stand behind it. Let's let's rep it. Let's put it out there and let's get the people involved. And that's a really good way to build a meta. That's a really good way to build a community. It's worked for Street Fighter. It's worked for Mortal Kombat. And it's worked for uh, Tekken. All these game companies put money behind their games after the fact. Be it in sponsorships or prize pools. This is how... They build a community around Pokemon Tournament. And I think that's all I have to say on that matter. And <laughs> lastly, uh, a, a story that uh, Mario After Party brought to my attention minutes before we, uh, we got on here. Uh, and that story is Nintendo NX confirmed as a holiday 2016 console. Um... <laughs> Confirmed with air quotations. Yes, we're going to confirm it as a rumor. Um, Mario After Party, give me a little bit of the breakdown of how this story came to be. All right, so, you know, we're always, before we do the show, even though we have a, a lineup and a plan of what we want to talk about, we're still always going to get the latest news for you guys. So, um, I found this story right before we started broadcasting, and... Uh, Basically, it's from a blogger who says that he has the report from uh, a Nintendo employee. He says he can verify their employee ID number, and he has visual proof that the NX has been confirmed as a holiday season launch console for this year, 2016. Um, you know, just because the guy says that he has all this proof doesn't mean that it's he necessarily is telling the truth, but um, I would believe it just because of all the, the rumors that have been surrounding the NX anyway. It, they've all been kind of leading in this direction, so... I agree. I think that's... I mean, I think that's it. You know, they're they're going to launch this system 
um, for the, the holiday season this year. That's true. The rumor also goes on to say that uh, there will be a Zelda title within the launch window. Um, a lot of people are speculating that it's the, you know, a lot of people would speculate that it's the Zelda Wii U title that has yet to materialize. It's had multiple delays. Um, if this is true, this will mark one of Nintendo's shortest console lifespans since the Virtual Boy. Um, Nintendo usually has about a five, six, seven year turnaround for consoles. Uh, the Wii U officially was released in 2012, um, so it will be a short lifespan for this system. Um, and with that, guys, that is our Nintendo News Report. So let's go ahead and slide into our next section. What are we playing? And Amiibo Acquisitions. Guys, uh, been super busy, and there have been no Amiibos since the release of Lucas. So I have nothing on hand. Uh, I did play Splatoon yesterday, uh, got into Splatfest, and I just recently copped Fire Emblem Fates. I got the uh, the Conquest Edition, so I'm looking forward to starting that. Uh, the game's already gotten good reviews, so looking really forward to jump back into a Fire Emblems game. I haven't played one since the Game Boy Advance, so I'll give you some of my thoughts on that as I play. Anything for you, Mario, after party? Um, yeah, I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles for the uh, 3DS and Xenoblade Chronicles X for the Wii U at the same time. It's kind of <laughs> weird, but I never actually... Uh, when I first got uh, Xenoblade Chronicles for the 3DS, I I put like 15 hours into it, and I just... When some of the other new games started coming out, I just uh, put it down, never finished it, so... Got into it again, but now I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles X, so kind of doing that at the same time, but, uh, you know, that's what I'm into right now. How different are the are they between one another as far as, because I, I haven't played Xenoblade yet, I have it, um, I'm Chronicles X, I have it now, but I haven't played it yet, um, but I heard you actually have to build an avatar right from the get. Um, yeah, I... I haven't put a lot of time into uh, X yet, so I don't want to say, like, I don't want to try to to say the differences just yet, maybe in the next episode when I've spent more time with the game, but, um, you know, it's it's definitely, uh, there's a lot more um, freedom as far as just uh, kind of pick, like, you know, there's a, a, a job type system where you get to pick exactly what you want to do to help the colony and um there's a little bit more freedom in what you get to do with the your character in that game but uh you know i literally just started playing it so we'll see true true that's it for amiibo acquisitions and what are we playing so we are going to go ahead and get into our topic of the month and like we said in the intro this is a great topic we are going to cover the Pokemon 20th anniversary. Man, this is a franchise that has literally brought hours, hours of joy into my life. Um, by no stretch of the imagination am I kidding. This game has literally brought hours of, of like fascination with it. Um, it's very easy to get stuck in that world in my opinion. So, with that, let's go ahead and start 
at the beginning. 20 years ago, 1996, with the release of Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green. Um, Green in Japan, 1996. Um, this game... These games literally are the starting point of what we will know as one of the most fun and addictive and sometimes annoying franchise. Uh, I remember the day I picked this game up and I remember going to the BX, picking up a copy of Pokemon Blue, turning it on and just finding myself immersed the first time I ever really played an RPG most of the time I would start an RPG and end it this game had me from start to finish um, the slogan gotta catch them all really found its way into my brain um, this game obviously developed by Satoshi Tajiri um, if you bought a Japanese copy you know that uh, Satoshi is actually the name that's one of the preloaded names that you can choose from in the Japanese version. Whereas here we had Red, Blue, and some other name that escapes me. Uh, obviously, this introduces us to the world of Pokemon. We get our starter Pokemon, uh, which to this day are still my favorite. You have your Bulbasaur, you have Charmander, you have Squirtle. What did you pick? I picked Charmander. Charmander? Oh, you're a fire guy. Um, yep, but I have the, I have the blue version, but I picked uh, Charmander for my starter. Uh, all right, Pokemon Blue. Oh, by the way, Pokemon Blue won Splatfest this weekend, so I also had Pokemon Blue, and I picked Bulbasaur. Um, I know something cute about the little frog with a uh, little bud on its back. So this game introduces us to what is pretty standard for the Pokemon franchise. Uh, we get 151 Pokemon, one of them being completely inaccessible to either title. You have your eight gyms, and you have your rival, uh, which, by the way, Mario After Party's government name has been the name of my rival since Generation 4. So there's three games in there that I've used him... <laughs> as my rival in those games. <laughs> this game was amazing for me, dude. Uh, it obviously, it came out in America in 1998 as Pokemon Red and Blue instead of the Red and Green. Uh, I remember searching for a Pikachu in the uh, Viridian Forest for like an hour and a half. I just could not find a Pikachu and I just I was like, I want a Pikachu because Ash has a Pikachu. Um, it's a great, great game, and man, there's it's really, a, really interesting to see how such a small franchise, developed by a really small second-party Nintendo studio, could develop such a relative. It was a big game, man. There's there's like sixty hours of gameplay if you level grind in that game. Yeah, I I remember when I started playing that game, I couldn't believe I was playing a game that was this good on the Game Boy because I hadn't played the Game Boy in a while, you know, because there were, you know, I didn't have a reason to play it. It was almost dead. And then that 
just brought the Game Boy back to life. And, um, I mean, it was just magical, you know, getting all these Pokemon, trying to find a, a good team and, and going out and just trying to catch everything that you could find and hoping that you would find something different every time that you went out in the, in the little grass. And, you know, because most RPGs, level grinding sucks and you don't want to go out there and fight the bad guys because you don't get to keep them. You don't get to use them, but in Pokemon, you do. So it was... <laughs> Oh, one of my favorite moments in the original Pokemon game is by the time I got to the third gym, Lieutenant Surge. Like, this is before, like, getting strategy guides and all this crap and the internet wasn't really, like, there yet. You couldn't just get on the internet and just find anything. I just remember being severely underpowered walking into Lieutenant Surge's gym and as I'm fighting him, all his Pokemon are at least six or seven levels stronger than mine. And I had just caught a Sand Shrew earlier in the day. And Lieutenant Surge literally wipes out all my team except this level eight Sand Shrew. And I don't remember what level his Pokemon were at, but I believe they're like in the 20s or the 30s. I literally beat both of Lieutenant Surge's Pokemon with a level 8 Sandshrew because he, because he could not use his electric attacks on me. He kept trying and they wouldn't work. And so all my Sandshrew had was Scratch. So I was literally scratching away at his, at his uh, HP. And it took 32 minutes for me to finally beat him. I had the Game Boy Red Light of Battery Death. It took that. I was like, oh my god. I almost got wiped out. And from then on, wow. I learned to overtrain for gyms and level grind as often as possible. Oh man! Aside from that, a couple other things we get: we get the Elite Four. Um, you actually get some strong story elements in the game uh, with your rival, and like how he always seems to be like a step ahead of you. Oh, he always walks out of like the gym right as you're walking up to the gym. He's on the SSN with you. But then there's the Team Rocket side storyline that's really awesome. Um, you just They want to take over the world and it's up to you to stop them. And it seems like if you think about that, it's like you're really putting the fate of the world in a 10-year-old avatar's hands. He's like, I'm going to save the world, but I just turned 10. Talk about a story. Oh, there was a lot of stuff. And this this started what would be known as like the Pokemon craze. Like these games, the the launch strategy, at least in America, was was one of the best rollouts I've ever seen. Um the anime came first in America, then the game, and then a like flood of merchandising. Like this is one of the franchises that is so big that without the video game, this franchise could exist. If it was just an anime, it would exist. The fact that it is a game first, then an anime, it almost kind of worked in reverse. Because normally we get games or movie, um, we get movies or TV, then we get games. Yeah. 
So it's like the reverse effect, but it set off a storm from like 1998 to 2000. Pokemon was everywhere. Lunch boxes, t-shirts. Man, it it was it's a miracle like how big that very first game was. Um obviously and it was a strong game. It was a strong title. There was a good it's, it had good source material. So, that's Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh a year later, 1999, Pokemon Yellow. Did you have the version or not? No. Alright. I had Pokemon Yellow. Now, if you come from Pokemon Red and Blue, you know that there are an infamous numbers of glitches. It's like the missing no and uh, my favorite was using the missing no to get the 99 rare candies or the 99 master balls. Just breaking the game for your own purposes. Uh, Pokemon Yellow was really more of a reaction to all those glitches and whatnot, but it had the added caveat of letting you kind of play the same game as Red and Blue, but more through the eyes of the anime. So this time you take direct control of Ash. The only Pokemon you can receive as a starter is Pikachu, and as the game progresses, you will eventually get all the starters. Which is kind of cool because it was, in my eyes, Pokemon Yellow is actually like the definitive version of that game. It's like the director's cut. Uh, the Team Rocket sprites were changed to look like Jesse, James, and Meowth, which is one of my favorite features in the game. They redesigned the, the sprites for Coffin and Ekans and just really, really put that game in a better, better space. Fixed all the glitches, just added a lot. And it had some semblance of color for the Game Boy Color. Not a lot. But uh, you also got Surfing Pikachu, which was a cool thing because of this little animation with Pikachu on a pink surfboard when you went into that mode of the game. It was actually sick. Oh, so that's it for the first generation of games. Around that time, and at least in America, we get the anime. This was... One of my favorite anime when it first came out. Um, it was a strong anime from the get for me. Uh, the game is the game. The game has its story. But for me, the anime is what really cemented what Pokemon's legacy really would go on to be. Definitely. I mean, it still puts other animes to shame as far as how good the voice acting was the quality of the voice acting for pretty much every character was great it didn't sound cheesy you know it was genuinely funny like there were episodes where i would just bust out laughing you know and a lot of times japanese humor doesn't always translate over into uh american humor so sometimes things that are supposed to be funny in some animes end up not really being that funny to an american audience but pokemon was funny and i loved that show and, uh, I mean, I used to run home from school just so that I didn't miss any of the, um, the episodes when it, when they came on. Yeah. And it, it, it has this, like, it has like this thing that you truly care about Ash and you want him to win. And like, and even when he loses, like when he loses, like 
he's not a character without like who can't acknowledge what he does wrong. Like he he has a strong backbone. Like they when they did this character, they they gave him actual character. He just he's not your archetypical hero who has to save the day. Yes, he will save the day, but like he, it's never really easy for him. It's never easy for him to win. And I love the fact that he was always a step behind Gary. He was never on Gary's level. Only for him to place better in the Pokemon League. Like at the end of that first season, after the second season actually, when they get to the Pokemon League, Ash places higher. And it's kind of like, finally he's cottoned up. But it, yeah, it was just so good. Even the animation was... You know, if, if I look back at it now, it was dated, but when it came out, I thought it looked amazing. And it was so cool to hear what a Pokemon sounded like instead of their stupid little cries. Yeah, their little digitized Game Boy cries. Yes. But, um, yeah, man, it was stronger. And to this day, I still remember the Team Rocket, uh, the motto, that to protect the world from devastation, to unite all people within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Jesse James. Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now, prepare to fight. Meow, that's right. This is, it's, <laughs> it's something that's embedded in my brain. It's literally embedded in my brain. And I just, every now and then, I'll go and I'll rewatch those old, those first two seasons are great. I will rewatch those first two seasons. Man, my favorite episode from that show is when they Ash and uh, Blaine have a fight in the middle of a like active volcano, and I'm like, everyone's going to die. <laughs> That's an active volcano, and you're playing with fire Pokemon. How is any of this a good idea? But it was such a good episode. It's 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 fun. It's awesome to see Ash's Charizard like, you know, balls up and. Fight the Magmar. One of the best episodes in the show, period. Uh, there were a lot of other memorable things from that show. Uh, and right from the bat, the show had balls. Right from the bat, the first episode, we see a Gen 2 Pokemon right away. At the end of the first episode, you see Ho-Oh flying off in the distance. I was like, that Pokemon is... By that point, I had already beaten the game, and I'm like... That Pokemon's not in the game. But there it was. He had, you know, they had balls, man. Gen 2 Pokemon right off the bat. That was, that to me was pretty awesome. Alright, so let's go ahead and move forward a little bit. Before the release of Gen 2, we had some spinoff games, man. We had some good spinoff games. Um, we had Pokemon Snap, which, by the way, if if they're ever gonna make a Pokemon Snap game, please make it for mobile games and use AR, cause that would be sick. Nintendo, I know you listen to my show. <laughs> make yeah, that that's game. a good idea, actually. Dude, but Pokemon Snap was literally—it's kind of a cash grab. But it totally works. I played that game endlessly on the N64. Little side note, Pokemon Snap is actually the sequel 
the version we've got here in the U.S. is not the original version. The original version has a minimal amount of po uh, it has less Pokemon than it, than are in Pokemon Snap. I believe Pokemon Snap only has about 50 to 60 Pokemon in the game, but the first version only has something like 40 or 25. This is a fun game. You actually uh, play as a character named Snap. Um, he shows up in the anime, but under the name Todd. Help me, Nintendo, figure out where the where the name issue came about, but whatever. Um, and you're you're basically commissioned by Professor Oak to go take pictures of Pokemon in the wild to see how they how they act in the wild. I always thought it was funny to throw like apples at the Pokemon to see how they would react. So I kept throwing apples at like the Mankeys and the Pidgeys. Just an all-around fun game. Um, not very long. You can beat it in like an hour. But super addictive. Uh, the next game. Not necessarily a spin-off. But definitely worth noting. Is Super Smash Bros. Featured Pikachu as a playable character. Arguably the best character in that game. Um, it was very smart for them to include Pikachu. Um, the brand the franchise, Pokemon as a franchise, was still new, and it was a good way to get more exposure for, you know, the budding franchise. Uh, since Super Smash Brothers, Pikachu has been my main. It was just fun. I love the, uh, what, what what city was it? Viridian City? The, the stage, and then the Pokemon would come out, and sometimes they'd blow you up fun game um again Pikachu has gone on to be in every Smash game and since then a plethora of Pokemon have shown up in Smash it's it goes to show that adding that franchise helped extend had adding Pikachu to the Smash franchise helped extend the Smash franchise and it definitely helped promote the Pokemon franchise and the last spin-off game I want to talk about right now is Pokemon Stadium this was the game bro this was the game it's the first it's it's we get all 150 Pokemon in full-on 3d um, and it was just really nice to battle that way um, there were a bunch of little mini games loved hearing some of the voice acting on the Pokemon and best feature of all you could actually play the main game the main Pokemon game on your TV using uh, the transfer pack which was so awesome because it was that was one of the first things I tried to do was load up my Pokemon game into the the transfer pack and play it on my TV because it had that nice little feature where it like two times the speed for your walking. So you could walk really fast. Sorry, I love Pokemon, but that's one of the things that hurt the, the franchise early on was not being able to walk fast. Or run without those stupid shoes. Just a, a good game and a nice way to keep extending the franchise. Now here, in my mind, this... This is a marquee moment for the Pokemon franchise. Pokemon, the first movie. 
How do you feel about that movie, bro? Uh, I feel like that movie had an awesome soundtrack, which, you know, I, I don't remember if I had it. I think I did. I think I ended up buying the soundtrack and, um, the way that they redid the theme song into like a more like pop, pop, it was like, it was done by a boy band, you know I mean? It was funny because back in those days, boy bands were really popular anyway, but, uh, it was just, it was a great movie. I loved it, but I, for me, man, what I remember most about that movie was just that it had an awesome soundtrack. Oh, man. Honestly, I love that movie. I just bought that movie on Blu-ray. They released a Blu-ray uh, with the first three movies on them. And I really just wanted to watch that first movie again, so it was worth it. Uh, I, You're right. I love the soundtrack on that movie. There are a lot of, like, weird... Weird, weird guest features on that soundtrack. Um, they were really smart in who they got for that soundtrack because NSYNC is on there, Christina Aguilera is on there, a uh, couple other bands, and unfortunately, High C is on there, and they're awful. They're awful. They both sound like rats. Um, but it was cool because it, it added to the mystique of the character Mewtwo. And it was just so good. It was it was one of those stories, one of those moments where it's like you knew that this franchise was was big. It was big. Uh funny story about that though. I was dating a crazy chick at the time and uh we were go we were supposed to meet to see the movie. Um she went to an she, we, we picked the showtime. By the time I got to the movie theaters, the sold time was the showtime was completely sold out. So I did not see the movie when it was supposed to. You know, at the time I was supposed to. Uh, clearly, that made that girl angry, and uh, ended up going to the later showing that day. On the way out, I actually ran into Mario after party at the same showing, and this was right around the time we had just started to become friends. So it was really just interesting to see that we had like a, yet again, another shared interest. Uh, because before that we were doing other stuff together. Like we, we were working musically with each other and just so happened to run into each other at something that probably neither of us thought we would run into at, at cause I was 16. He was what? 14, 15. I was 14. Yeah. So just ran into him there, no knowledge that he was going to be there. It was pretty funny. I was like, what are you doing here? All right, before we move on from this, though, I just want to say, like, the soundtrack, okay, it had Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, NSYNC, 98 Degrees, and Aaron Carter. If you remember, like, 1999 to, like, you know, 2001 era, those were pretty much the biggest artists of that era or some of the biggest artists i mean nintendo they really went all out making sure that they got some of the biggest names in the music industry to be on that soundtrack yeah man that they really did go all out um all that being said you know the first song is still the best that remake of the pokemon uh intro the pokemon theme song oh, yeah. i agree totally they just killed it it's nailed and i love how like they do it in the movie 
where they start singing the, where the song comes on right as Ash is battling a second gen Pokemon, which is going to be my segue into talking about Pokemon Gen 2, Gold and Silver. There was a lot of hype leading up to Pokemon Gold and Silver. There are every video game magazine, every news outlet was speculating this game. I don't know if you remember the Pika Blue, uh, Pika Blue rumors, uh, which eventually turned out to be Meryl. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> oh, there was a, just a lot of pre-hype about this game. Everybody wanted to know everything about this game. There was a lot of excitement. Everybody was on their edge. And 1999 comes, and they talk about gold and silver. Uh, we've already seen a few Gen 2 Pokemon. We saw Elekid in the first movie. We saw Dawn Fan in the first movie. We've seen Ho-Oh in the anime. And we've also gotten Togepi in the anime. Gen 2, Gold and Silver finally come out. And we get some pretty cool stuff in this game. Uh, we get, obviously we get a hundred new Pokemon. We, we start the story over. We get a new rival. We're a new Pokemon trainer. We get some cool features. Uh, night and Day, which are features that are still used in the game. We get Breeding, which is so important to the current Pokemon metagame. We get uh, the cell phone feature, the in-game cell phone feature, uh, the PokéNav. <sighs> and my favorite feature, we get a post-game in this in this one. We get to replay the original eight gyms as well as a final showdown with Red from the first game. Such a good game. This might up until, you know, Pokemon uh, X and Y, I have to say that this is the best game in the franchise. Yeah, I, I think it still today is the best game in the franchise just because of all the new things it introduced. You know, if you uh, listen to our um, top 10 greatest games of all time, we both argued that this was the best version just because of all the new things it introduced. It kind of set the uh, standard for the games to follow because then... Um, all these new features that they introduced, like breeding and having a, a an actual internal clock in the game and things that happened during certain days of the week and Pokemon that evolved, you know, during the day or night. Um, all those things went on to, to play a much larger role in the games that, that followed this one. Oh, uh, yeah. We also get shiny Pokemon for the first time. Uh, one of them being uh, part of the story, the Red Gyarados. Always thought that was cool. Uh, never really caught another shiny after that. Never really made it like a goal. But I do know that I do know of trainers who make it a goal to try to catch nothing but shiny Pokemon, and I pity their souls. <laughs> Fun game. Um, there's, there's just so much, man. And I love I love the fact that it was backwards compatible. Um, being able to re... To take all the Pokemon you had caught in from the first three games. Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. And taking them and putting them on the new 
on the new game. So, just a good game. I just remember me and my brother going head-to-head -head in Pokemon Gold and Silver so much. I had Silver because Lugia is clearly the better Legendary. Uh, my brother had Gold, and we just go at it for hours. Uh, still really hadn't played this game with Mario afterward. I don't think we played this game together until Diamond and Pearl, right? Yeah, I think that's when we first started playing together. Right. Strong game, man. This this was a good game. I loved, I loved how they were able to go from this game and also spin it into the anime and just have uh, Ash go to the Johto region and compete there. I thought that was really a nice way of continuing the series for the anime and it just made the game that much more fun to play. But that game is dark, man. Uh, Team Rocket is back in some capacity, and they're cutting Slowpoke's tails off. I was like, what is wrong with this game? Why are they cutting off their tails? A little dark. That brings us to Gen 3. This is the first time that the Pokemon franchise transitions from one console to another. Gen 3... Initially, not my favorite uh, in the franchise. Uh, this is the first time I remember a Pokemon game actually being brutal. Because uh, uh, we have the outside of battle status effects. Um, like if you walk into the desert, the sandstorm can hurt your Pokemon. That was brutal. Um, the gym leaders were also pretty brutal in that game and non-relenting. Uh, I just remember this game... I remember getting this game. I got it around Easter. And I just remember just really trying to grind and finding it difficult. And Game Freak has actually gone on record of saying that Gen 3 was actually the hardest Pokemon game. Uh, because by the time they got to this generation, they had assumed that their fan base had matured and grown up a lot. So... They decided to up the ante, and what they did was they made a brutally hard Pokemon game. And so brutally hard, in fact, that when they re-released the game, or remade the game in 2014, that they actually scaled down the gym leaders. Because I have, I, when I, I bought the strategy guide for Pokemon Ruby back in the day, and I bought the strategy guide for the remakes, and I started comparing them. And I'm looking at the levels of the gym leaders. All their Pokemon are at least three levels lower than where they are in the original game. They made a brutally hard Pokemon game. Did you get into this generation or did you skip that on this generation, didn't you? Yes, uh, this is the only generation that I did not play, um, sadly. But I, it was because I, I never bought a Game Boy Advance. So... That's the reason why, but I did get back into it again, pretty hardcore, for uh, Diamond and Pearl. In 2004, the DS was released, and in 2006 in Japan, 2007 in North America, we get Pokemon Generation 4. This generation has some features that really helped advance the franchise, man, like... It took the franchise to the next level, and it was definitely a step into the area that we're getting into now with Pokemon showing up on the mobile market. 
I think this game is Nintendo's first step into that direction for the franchise. Pokemon Gen 4, or Diamond and Pearl, introduced us to the Wi-Fi feature. Uh, the first time that you can trade Pokemon via the internet. You don't have to physically be present, and you don't have to be bastard stuck with those bastardizing link cables. Um, you don't have to worry about losing your trade so easily, as Chris has pointed out that he's tortured his sister with. Yes, that was I. If if you listen to the uh, top ten, the game that's a little story. I uh, unplugged the uh, the cable when we were trading the Pokemon, and you know, basically her Pokemon was in the process of going from her Game Boy to mine, and it somehow got deleted because I unplugged it because I was being a little shit, and uh, she was pretty devastated. You're a bad older brother, man. I I was horrible, <laughs> but. But Pokemon Diamond and Pearl was important to me because uh, that's the game that brought me back. I got a Nintendo DS specifically for that game. And, um, you know, uh, during this time, I was living in um, England. And Nice One and I would use the DS to communicate with each other. We would hook it up on Wi-Fi and then go into the, the the trading room to trade with each other and because it the the DS had a microphone in it and it was you know capable of uh, voice we would talk so I would basically just hold the DS up to my head and use it as a phone and you got to remember this is like 2006 um, which is before the iPhone came out the iPhone didn't yep. come out until 2007 yep. so this is before FaceTime this is before like you know, you could really use a lot of these apps that we have today over Wi-Fi to get a... And, and we were basically making free international phone calls to each other using this game. So it was... I mean, this game is, like, important to my life in in so many ways. Yeah, man, those were... It was it was incredibly cool to be able to communicate because I was here in Florida and you were in, you were in London and it was pretty pivotal because like you know nobody was using thing nobody was using things like MSN Messenger anymore and you know FaceTime didn't even get started until iPhone's like fourth generation phone or right yeah. and I, I I think there was Skype however um you know you would have had to sit down at your computer and with the DS I could walk around the whole house exactly so that you know. the the freedom of mobility uh Funnily enough, we actually used this game when Mario Kart Wii came out to communicate with each other as well. That's right. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, we would play Mario Kart on the Wii, and we would use our DSs as phones to talk to each other since I lived in another country. I'm telling you, the Nintendo DS was a pretty amazing piece of technology for 2006... You got to remember the year it came out, and that's 10 years ago. I mean, it was pretty awesome what it could do back in those days. Yeah, and what it did was it really, in my opinion, it advanced the Pokemon franchise too because not only could you, you know, get online, not only could you have the voice communication with your friends, but it also brought us the global trade uh, station, Um, you know, the GTS trade online, and they built a whole website that you could 
used to see who was trading for what. And it was it's a very good website. Like they did a lot to it to they Nintendo and Game Freak worked very hard to make this game really accessible and Nintendo doesn't really like to play with a lot of like software that isn't theirs. So the fact that they built a website around the Pokemon franchise, that was pretty cool. Um, I love putting the Pokemon in there and trying to find the right, you know, seeing who would, who was trading in what country and seeing if I could get every Pokemon. This was one of my favorite generations for that reason. They just, on top of that, it was just cool to be able to talk to Mario After Party on the voice chat. So this was a fun, fun station. This game also had connectivity to a Pokemon spin-off game, uh, the Pokemon Ranger game. Um, if you were into the, if you're into the Pokemon spin-offs and you buy the first Pokemon Ranger, if you beat the game, there is a side mission or a post-game mission where you have to uh, catch a Manaphy or save a Manaphy. And from there, you can trade that Manaphy to your copy of Diamond and Pearl. Um, which I did, because I'm such a big Pokemon nerd that I will buy all the side games. Um, some of them are much better than others. But they did a good, good job. And like I said, things like the features that this game added, I think set a precedence for moving into the mobile arena. And games like Pokemon Go can really thank Diamond and Pearl for... Uh, for making the right steps to help advance the franchise. Because where we're going now is we're going into the completely mobile market. And that's something that couldn't have happened without things like the Pokemon franchise moving into the, you know, the Wi-Fi realm. And with that, let's go ahead and let's move into the next generation. Uh... Pokemon Black and Pokemon White. Uh, this is kind of one of my... It's, it's, it's hard for me, this game. While it's not one of my favorite generations, it really upped the visual quality of Pokemon games. Um, I remember uh, going online, checking the various websites that I check day by day, and uh, new screenshots came out. And I just remember calling Mario after party. I don't even remember what time I called him. Because uh, at the time he was living in Vegas. So Yeah. Las, yeah. Uh, yeah. Las Vegas, I think. I, I just remember calling him. I was like, yo, go check out this stuff. He's like, I'm at work. But this this was a big step graphically for the franchise. Oh, no. 2011? I'm trying to think. Man, what was that? It doesn't matter. Go on. No, no, you weren't. You were here. You were here in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, you got yeah, here. I was, I was in Tampa. Yeah, I was in Tampa. I just remember calling you. I know you were at work, but I was off that day, and I was actually on my way to the beach. So I was completely inconvenienced. I mean, I completely inconvenienced you. But uh, this is a good generation visually. Uh, you know, you had your first, like, pseudo 3D graphics, your first, you know, 
to me, this was kind of like a backstep. I think where all the where the, all the games before had really set like you know the game before had set like this really strong Wi-Fi and voice chat like precedent. This game really doesn't add anything to the Pokemon franchise. Um, I agree with you. It's not my favorite generation, but that said, I think it's the generation with the best story because that is the first time where I actually cared about the story in a Pokemon game, probably the only time. Because, um, you know, Team Plasma is led by N, who sees Pokemon as friends rather than using them for sport. He feels like using them to fight against each other is cruel, and that keeping them in Pokeballs is like enslaving them because you're not allowing them to be free, and they're, they're you know, constantly prisoners in Pokeballs until you throw them out to fight each other. And I was like thinking to myself, oh my God, he's right. And I was like, all these years, you know, <laughs> I've, been, I've been torturing these Pokemon. And it made me, it made me think, I was like, that is such a good storyline because it makes you, um, it makes the villain in the story, you know, appear to be in some ways good. And it's, it's hard to almost choose whether or not is this guy really evil or not. You can kind of relate to some of the things that he's saying, and uh, that was the the best storyline in, in all the generations, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, this game does have a few features. I don't think any of them are really significant, but let's go ahead and do a little quick rundown. Uh, this is the first Pokemon generation to have seasons uh, similar to, like, uh, the, the internal clock. But every month, uh, there are there's like your your winter, your summer, and your fall. They don't really show spring so much, but yeah, there were you can the game it will snow, some months, or it'll be sunny, or you'll see the changing of the leaves. Um, we have that. Uh, we also have triple battles, uh, which is you know, an advancement of the double battles that we had in previous games. We also have rotation battles where your Pokemon will rotate their position. So you have like three Pokemon and they'll switch over. Not really like great features in my opinion. Just this game didn't add enough um, to the franchise. Uh, another cool thing about this generation though is this generation had direct sequels. Um, uh, Mario After Party... Obviously, he's clearly a fan of the story mode, of uh, of the actual story itself. This this game actually advances the story of N further. Um, again, this generation. Of, I know a lot of people claim that this is their favorite generation. In my opinion, there's just not enough to it. Um, it did have some really good designs for the Pokemon themselves. Like, uh, Kyrim was one of my favorite looking. I also like the way Dialga and Palkia looked. But there wasn't enough in that game. Wait, did I say? No, I mean Reshiram and Zekrom. I'm sorry, guys. Reshiram and Zekrom, I thought they looked great, but there wasn't a really a lot in this game that kept me hooked on the edge of my seat. This generation was lacking. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to Gen 6. Pokemon X and Y. Uh, for me, this is one of my favorite um, Pokemon games. This is our first full step. Once again, Pokemon transitions from one piece of hardware to another. We are on the 3DS. And 
with the 3DS comes visually the most appealing Pokemon game. I love Pokemon X and Y. I love the look of the game. I love the customization features of your character. Guys, I want to point something out. If any video game company that lets you take complete control of your avatar style of dress, I'm hooked. It got me in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and it got me in Pokemon X and Y. I love making my character change clothes. Gotta look. I gotta stay fresh. You ready to know? That's um, right. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, Pokemon X and Y is probably the second uh, best game in the series after only Gold and Silver. Um, I loved it. I think if uh, this game had come out when I was in high school, it would probably be my favorite game. I kind of wish that I would have had more people I knew who played it so I could have taken advantage of all the features of this game more. But, uh, yeah, it's the prettiest game. And, um, you know, it, it added a new type. It's been a long time since, you know, Gold and Silver added dark and steel that's another thing that they added and since gold and silver we had not added a new type into the mix until x and y and then they added fairy type which i love my only criticism of this game is that they didn't add enough fairy type pokemon in and they didn't add enough good fairy type fairy type that were you would be able to include in your team i think uh, i had sylveon sylveon was good yeah but um you know really it, it just was um I wanted more, but I'm I'm really I really love this game though. It was it was um it was nice to finally get 3D. Oh yeah, not only that man, but Mega Evolution, Mega Evolution, it completely changes the game and it completely changes the meta of the game. But needless to say that that function, Mega Evolution, it is just awesome. The way certain Pokemon look when they Mega Evolve. My Mega Mewtwo X is a beast, by the way. Just beastly. I love I love that. Mega Evolution is just a strong concept. Um, this is, again, one of the best games. Uh, also in this generation, we get another remake. We get Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Which, like I gotta, I gotta say this. They are the definitive versions of that game. We get to keep things like Mega Evolution and whatnot. Uh, plus the story, the story that I didn't think was there the first time around, I think it works much better now that I'm an older, now that I'm in my 30s, I appreciate the story of Mega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire more. And that's going to be it for our main series. But we promised you that... Uh, this game was coming to take over the FGC and the mobile market. We did a whole episode on Pokemon Go. And we are getting closer and closer to this game coming out. And I've said it before. I'm excited for what this game is going to bring to the franchise. The fact that they're going completely mobile completely changes everything that we know about Pokemon. And it, and it refreshes the franchise. It brings new life into a franchise that really kind of doesn't need new life because the life that it has is still flourishing. But I'm super excited to get my hands on it. Press conference coming in March. Can't wait to hear what's, what's going to be said. 
And what's also coming in March is Pokemon Tournament. This is the first time that the Pokemon franchise is stepping into the FGC on its own accord and not via Smash. Everything I've seen about this game looks exciting. Uh, just looks really cool. The, the, the art style looks really cool. The battles look really flashy. I'm excited to get my hands on another fighter. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what this game brings to Evo and whatnot. I'm really looking forward to see the community that can be built by the time that Evo comes about. Uh, after Party, what are you thinking about these two games? Well, train on. That's all I gotta say. Train on, baby. Alright guys, that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Splat Zones, but before we go, we wanna give a special shout out to our contest winner, Yoshi Endless Runner. He went ahead and hit us up with a really good email that I wanna share with everybody. Hey Splat Zoners, I am a relatively new listener, but you guys are still a relatively new show, so I guess we're even. You guys have had some interesting shows, and I think my favorite episode so far is the year in review. You guys are really fun, and it was cool to be reminded of the year Nintendo had as a whole versus the year they probably should have had. I've got a few questions. First things first, when is Mario After Party going to take on the reins as host again? I think he has made some really strong points and has a very realistic expectations to counter Nice1983. But Nice1983 has very much energy. He is very much the energy of the show. I think my favorite thing is when you guys give your opinions on certain things. I just listened to your Mario episode, and I really learned so much about the character. You guys took an in-depth approach. Secondly, I know you guys like the monthly format, but have you thought about going bi-weekly? Finally, my Mario memory is playing Mario Kart DS with my older brother. We only had one cart, so I had to race a shy guy, but we'd play that game in the car together on road trips and have a lot of fun. He would beat me all the time, but we would still laugh and, uh, and scream at each other in a great way. I hope you guys keep on making the show and remember to stay fresh. Yoshi Endless Runner. That was a really nice letter. Yeah, thank you, Yoshi Endless Runner. So you're going to go ahead. You are the winner of our Mario prize pack. So just go ahead and be sure to email us your information, and we'll go ahead and make sure we get that sent out to you. As and Yoshi Endless Runner, just to answer your question, um, I'll probably take over the reins for the, you know, um, not sure when. I will definitely do it again. Just, uh, it's got to be uh, the right episode. Um, nice one is put in a lot of work for a lot of these episodes. And uh, I just want to make sure the next time I do it again that I can I can match his work ethic. So, uh, but I promise you, I will do it again. Yeah, uh, and uh, one, let's go ahead and answer your other question too, just while, we, while we're here. Um, bi-weekly probably isn't going to work to us. We're both relatively busy. We're both, you know, we're in our... 30s you know we're to date ourselves a little bit uh we both work full-time so probably not going to be able to go bi-weekly plus we like to make sure that we cover the news stories uh so we like to have a little bit of speculative talk and nintendo just doesn't release enough news on a you know weekly or a bi-weekly basis for us to go ahead and do do that but we do appreciate the feedback and thank you to everybody who entered the entered the uh the contest this month so this month we have one more contest and that's going to be for another pokemon prize pack and we just want to know what's your favorite pokemon generation or spinoff game and give us a reason why 
and go ahead and make sure you hit us up by email, nice193 at gmail.com, or go ahead and check out the website, nice193.wix.com. That's going to be it for this episode, guys. And you know how we like to leave things here. Stay fresh. Stay fresh. Deuces.